Hey guys, how's it going? Um, we're here for another podcast. Um, I feel like we both look very um, handsome today. Handsome. <laughs> you look yeah. very handsome. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I'm wearing my Connect shirt. Today we're going to be talking about uh, things just in general that make interest rates go up and down because Marcus always talks about like, well, obviously this happened today, so this is going to happen. And it's not quite obvious to me, and I don't think it's quite obvious to a lot of people. Um, we're just dealing with a super genius here. So uh, listen, I am definitely not a super genius. <laughs> like, well, all I think this is a good idea though. Like, I liked when you brought this up about what impacts interest rates, right? right? Anyways, yeah, I think it's it, it's it will be like there are so many different things happening right now specifically, but always right an economy is always impacted by a whole bunch of different events, um, variables, I don't know, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, yeah. That are tugging at it one way or another. Right. 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 We don't operate in a vacuum. So how will each of these things impact us? It's good. I like it. Yeah. So, I mean, I went around the office and wrote a couple things that are currently happening in the market down um, that people had, 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 you know, kind of brought up. And maybe we can just go through them. Or I can start with a couple and then you'll just start to riff and tell us all about what changes the interest rates. Sure. I'm going to start with number yeah, one. Yeah, just why don't you just say, what's the thing that you want to know about? I don't know if you realize this, but before we started working together, when I was just a lonely mortgage broker uh-huh. with, you know, 15 other people who were very productive and probably much better than you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. A lot of them still working at Connect. But yeah. uh, I used to do... Every Friday, I used right. to do uh, like a pseudo news spot mm-hmm. on CP24 live from the TSX mm-hmm. at the closing bell. And I would, they just wanted like commentary on like what was happening. Um, but I turned it into a how what has happened in the market this week is going to impact your mortgage. Right. And Matt, I don't know if you can find, there are some funny clips of like me. Welcome back with a closer look at today's business news and headlines. We go live now to the TMX Broadcast Center to Marcus Severus, founder and economist with Morcan Direct. Hi, Marcus. Hey, Pooja. How are you? So my, my question is, do you think that Kid Rock shooting a couple two fours of Bud Light is going to affect interest rates? Okay. All right. Let's, let's unpack it. Okay, you, you were talking. I was just joking. I was going to skip. Right? Yeah, yeah. I was going to. I haven't seen. The, on. I haven't seen. It's a TV commercial, or no? No, no it's not a TV. It might as well be. Might as well be. Right. No impact. No impact. Okay. My actual question: Trump getting arrested, yeah. or Trump getting indicted? Like, do you think that this is going to have a, an impact on interest rates somehow, some way? Right. But now it's, we're just kind of having fun with it. But I will say, I'm not having fun with you it. You could play this period. out a few ways. Okay. Okay. If you believe Trump being arrested will lead to him becoming president, which a lot of people think. And you think that that's actually possible? Oh, for sure. I think that the, so hear me out here. Okay. Okay. I think that there are so many Republicans that are so disillusioned with what's happening in the United States that it will make it will strengthen Donald Trump. This pro, this whole process will strengthen Donald Trump. Like, look what he, look what he has to say now. Okay, I just got charged criminally with 
a hunt with paying a porn star 130. It sounds funny even to say it. Yeah. He paid a porn star $130,000 of hush money. And some other, like, uh, two porn stars. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. One was a model. Yeah. What, who cares, right? <laughs> but, like, the fact that they probably spent $100 million to come after him for this so that they could charge him criminally and prosecute him to embarrass him so that in their minds, they thought like, oh, he won't run now for president and it'll scare him off or it'll make people not want to vote for him. The people that were backing Donald Trump are still going to back Donald Trump. It may galvanize them behind Donald Trump now. Right. And even some of the people that are Democrats that see what's happening are going to be like, okay, now we're using this platform to chase after him and we're spending this money on a case that's going to go nowhere. Like if he gets charged criminally, he's not going to jail. Like this, this charge doesn't hold with it uh, the teeth to imprison him. Right, like right, right, right. Anyways, so what do I think is going to happen? Yeah, I think it's probably good for Donald Trump. Right. Like he's going to make a spectacle of this as he always does. You know, and in the end, it's going to end up strengthening his campaign. And does he wind up in the White House? So if he wind, if Donald Trump is in the White House, I think, um, I think he probably exerts. Although they say it's impossible, I think he exerts some sort of pressure on the Federal Reserve and the markets, whereby the markets will probably go up, and uh, rates may stay higher for a longer period of time. Right. Unless he exerts a, a influence on the Federal Reserve, which he's not supposed to, in which case maybe he can influence them to go a little bit lower. Um, but I think that uh, generally speaking, a Republican in the White House would lead to a stronger economy, less government spending. Right. Um, kind of the same thing here as we would see if like a conservative government came in and took over from the liberal government and the massive amount of spending that they just proposed in their last budget. Right. right. Which Makes we sense. can talk about too. But um, answer your question. If Donald Trump, if this, if, if Donald Trump's court case manages to get him elected, which I do, which is crazy, which I think is possible, um, then look out, baby. Uh, the economy should do better. Um, and the war in Russia would be over. Yeah, because he can solve it, he said, with one trip. One yeah. trip or one... I don't know. He could solve it with... He one says trip. a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he yeah. says a lot of things. Yeah. What a wild guy. Um, but I, honestly, it's it's really not that... Like, the election isn't going to be that... It's not going to impact rates. Rates are kind of already on their trajectory. Right. Um, but if we were going to say where it would slant, I think... Um, I think it, rates might go down a little bit faster if it was the Democrats, because then the economy would look weaker sooner, which would cause the Federal Reserve to loosen policy faster. And if it was the Republicans, unless Trump was able to exert kind of some type of control over the Federal Reserve, which he's not supposed to be able to, then I think you would see rates stay higher for a little longer. But I'm not sure that either of those eventualities will have enough influence uh, to kind of counteract or, um, 
or even make or create an effect on the economy when there are so many other like like right now the federal reserve is concerned about labor markets and inflation right i don't know that the outcome of the federal election would be so significant as to overcome how powerful those levers on the economy are already mm-hmm. i think in like a normal economic environment it might mm-hmm. but i don't think in this one it does Okay, that brings. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Just like so, it's in such upheaval right now that the federal election probably doesn't have. It probably has a very muted effect. Right. 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 Um, Okay, that brings me to my next thing. Because you were talking about the job markets and stuff like that. I think Canada just added a whole bunch of jobs recently, right? Um, It was consistent. I think it was like it's kind of like pretty close to what they wanted. It was maintained unemployment rate of five percent. Right. But it's like a good job market. Right, yeah. right, right. So does that would that have any effect? Up, yeah, up. That's it, an up. Again, because there's so much else going on right now. Right. In a vacuum, we should preface it by saying, like, in a vacuum, this is the impact that each of these events has. Right. When a job market is strong or too strong, mm-hmm. the government of Canada, or sorry, the the Bank of Canada or the Federal Reserve, or whatever the kind of central bank governing body is, will want to slow the economy down. And how do you slow an economy down? You increase interest rates. Right. And if, in, if employment is overutilized, like if it's like, if you can't get workers and it's slowing the economy down, that's also a really bad thing. Right. The central bank doesn't want to see that. Right. So increase interest rates. Good job numbers increase interest rates. Right. right typically. Right, right. Saudi oil output. Hmm, I, like I think it was one. just not, I don't think it was just the Saudis that said that. OPEC. Yeah. 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 yeah so um, what is OPEC? It's the oil producing nations. Right. There's OPEC and then there's OPEC plus. Right. Ooh. Yeah. So like within OPEC, it's like the it's like an economy and a premium economy. Uh, no, it's like G7 nations and G20 nations. Right, right, right. Like OPEC is like an original body of a group of countries. It is Qatar, Indonesia, Libya, UAE, Algeria, Nigeria, Ecuador, Gabon, Angola, Ecuador, uh, Guinea, and Congo. Ecuador's in there twice? Uh, Equatorial, <laughs> Equatorial Guinea. Equatorial uh, Guinea. Oh, there's a lot of countries on there that like they're all giving the middle finger to everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that is something else, right? That is a factor of what happens when your environment and energy policy in a country starts affecting your foreign policy. Because oh, we don't want to, we don't want to have a pipeline and drill oil in Canada. Right. It's dirty and yucky, and it's going to make people angry, and it's going to pollute the environment. We're not going to do that. Well, guess what? Someone else is going to do that. Yeah. And it's going to make them a lot of money and it's going to strengthen their leadership and they're going to do things you don't like. And there's going to be human rights violations. And when you send reporters there, they're going to kill them. Yeah. And they're going to start wars and they're going to try to take over more countries because they think they're strong and they have lots of money. And then you're going to have to stop them. You have to send people there and those people are going to have to die to stop them because it's going to be a war. But you know what? Good job. No pipeline. Right? Congrats. That was a bit of a mic drop. Uh, anyways. Okay. I mean, that guy, Pierre, Pierre, 
whatever his Paul name is, seem, seems to be pretty excited to get the pipeline pumping again. Everybody should be. Yeah. It doesn't make sense not to have that. It's all, listen, it's all political pivoting yeah, based yeah. on what the populace wants, right? Like, what do you, me, baby, one What more do you time. think you can convince people of? Yeah. And okay, let's swing in that direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, you said what happens when OPEC reduces oil production. Oil production. Which is what we saw happen this week. The Saudis came out and they said, you know what? We're cutting production 5%. Nobody really expected it. Mm -hmm. Russia wanted it, right? Mm -hmm. Because they want the price of oil to go up. Right. And because they want to inflict pain on the Americans, right? Because it will be more difficult to fight inflation with higher energy prices. Right. Oil goes up. Inflation goes up. Right. Inflation goes up. What else has to go up, Justin? Rates. Bingo. Bingo. It's not, it will not, it, this will likely not cause interest rates to go up, but it will cause pain for the American, Canadian consumer, G7 consumers. Mm -hmm. The thing you got to remember here is like Putin went in to the Ukraine over a year ago now. And the idea was everybody was like, oh no, Europe will not be able to, to survive the winter because of how reliant they are on Russia's natural gas. Right. But guess what? Europe got through the winter. The they winter got through passed, it though. The winter yeah. passed. You know? Yeah, they got through it. Yeah. Um, all right. So oil prices potentially up. Oil prices are going up. No, no, no. I'm saying oil prices, oil prices equal interest rates potentially up. Would honestly, in almost all circumstances, if done over an extended period of time, would cause inflation, which would, you know, force you to increase rates. Right, 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 right. Um, so the Saudis and OPEC literally are doing it on purpose to try to impact the economy in the United States, right? Like they're doing it to inflict pain. Right. And do you, and the Saudis and Russia, do you, do you think, are they like, oh, buddy, buddy. Yeah. The, honestly, the amount of buddy, buddy going on right now between China, Saudi Arabia, yeah. and Russia is at an all time high. It's like interest rates, all time highs. Buddy, buddy, all-time highs. Right. Yeah. The BRICS. Brazil, Russia, uh, India, China. Brazil's in there. Brazil, it's just the BRICS, yeah. Right. A guy named James O'Neill, I think, coined it, who was like the chairman of Goldman Sachs. Jim O'Neill. I, I couldn't see English Brazil guy. sitting at the same lunch table as Russia and China. Hey, Brazil is a big country, lots of resources. No, no, for sure. I'm just saying. Yeah. I don't even why. think in the meeting, though, Lula, who's the new president of president or prime minister okay. of Brazil, I don't even think he went to the meeting. Or speaks or is able to like even have. <laughs> no, <his> no. <laughs> he speaks. He has a raspy voice. He got. No, I know he probably speaks, but, you know, he he's at the big table. Like, that's a big table. Right. Yeah. Brazil, India, China. Uh, and who's the S? The list of those countries are Russia, India, Brazil, and South Africa. South Africa. Oh, okay. South Africa. I mean, listen, that's the one. That the, like, Brazil's fine at that table. South Africa's kind of like, what are you guys doing here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but again, tons of, um, tons of natural resources. So Brazil's um, president or prime minister? Lula. Lula da Silva. So this guy was in jail. They put really? him in jail for corruption when Bolsonaro was the 
president or prime minister of president president of Brazil. So Bolsonaro was the president. The other guy was in jail. The other guy came out of jail, went against Bolsonaro, won. Wow. And then Bols- Bolsonaro now is forever in my mind, burnt into my mind as sitting at a fried chicken, a Kentucky fried chicken in Miami, eating fried chicken by himself. Have you seen that picture? No. Poor guy. So what, he's just like, he's ousted from Brazil now. He went to Miami after the election. Right. He didn't want to be there for the inauguration for the other guy. Mm-hmm. Anyways, the point of what I was saying is those countries are kind of, kind of really growing together, right? right? With an aim towards creating a currency um, that so they're not as heavily reliant on the U.S. dollar. The one thing that I read while I was away, this has got to be a month ago now, is that China brokered a peace deal between Iran and Saudi Arabia. When I read that, I was like, oh, man. Yeah, because the Chinese typically had a foreign policy position. This is before they're kind of like, what is it called? Like belts and bricks or built bricks and roads initiative. Anyways, trying to rebuild the Silk Road, right? Yes. So before that, the Zuckerberg Road, no, the Silk Road, Silk Silk Road. Oh, Silk Silk. Road. Zuckerberg Road. He heard he heard Suck Road was about to book a vacation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> sign me up. Oh boy. Okay. The Chinese. <laughs> the Chinese. It's honestly it, it, I, the my practice for the show is trying to explain world politics to my kids because it's like I, like Oscar gets it and then Justin will get it. So. The Chinese previously had like kind of like a hands-off approach to the world, right? They were like, let's just stay quiet in our corner and do our thing and grow and get bigger. Then they had a program where they would lend money to these countries, developing countries. And like, instead of like the World Bank or the International Monetary Fund doing it, the Chinese were doing it. They would lend money into the countries to build things in those countries always with an aim towards getting resources out of the country. So you saw this happen in Africa a lot. However, now they are in, and that didn't fully work out, right? So those loans couldn't be repaid back. Now the Chinese are back in those countries, but now they're lending money to the central banks in those countries to prop up the companies and economies in those countries so that their loans can be repaid. So basically lending more money to the country so they can cycle to through. help the country repay the loans that they have default they were going to default on it's a bad situation but yeah, it seems a bit. the other thing the chinese are doing is they're getting more involved in geopolitical issues and brokering a peace deal with iran and saudi arabia that's a big one you gotta remember when joe biden came into power joe biden said we're never going to deal with saudi arabia like we do not want anything to do with mbs because he killed Khashoggi, the reporter for the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sure enough, because oil prices were getting high and Joe Biden was worried about inflation, about a year ago now, Joe Biden flew to Saudi Arabia to meet with MBS. Um, okay, new another one that I just thought of. Finland joining NATO. Hmm. Interest rates up or interest rates down? Hmm. Good question. Okay, let's think it out. Let's think it out together. Yeah. 
Finland joining NATO will likely upset Russia, could possibly cause more. Definitely upset Russia. Yeah, so could co- possibly cause some type of aggression from Russia into NATO, which could then cause a response from NATO, which th- could then cause World War World III, War III, yeah. Uh, which would definitely decrease interest. Yeah. Yeah, big time zero interest rate level. <laughs> yeah. Evisceration. Yeah, could could even eliminate central banks. Uh, I don't think it will though. World War Three will happen, or no? I don't think we're going to see World War Three. So Finland joining NATO, down, down. Rates go down. Rates go down. You keep saying that there's so much going on in the world right now, which there is. There for sure is. That like, you know, we've brought up these little things and you're like, mm, this might not, there's so much going on outside that, that it might not affect it that much or, or have a blip compared to all these other things. So what are these other things? Like, what is the thing that's going on? Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Okay. So the thing that's going on is we spent right like so much money to battle COVID. You remember COVID? <laughs> barely yeah okay well covid destroyed us right okay by the way i think i have a bit of covid right now sweet yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay <gasps> remember when matt like wouldn't come into the office because <laughs> of covid when i had covid you mean and i didn't want to give it to people yeah matt was ha- matt had covid every three weeks <laughs> you took a covid test this monday yeah for you idiots Okay. I was fine with it. Anyways, listen. Here's what I wanted to say. We spent so much money. The, the G7 nations spent so much money. <laughs> Is that face because of how bad the coffee was? Yeah. I'm just <laughs> Okay. We spent so much money. Like, for instance, Canada. The, the, uh, the deficit in Canada was $600 million. Right. Okay. The deficit in Canada now is $1.2 trillion. We went, we doubled the amount of our debt. We went nuclear. Can you imagine? Nuclear. Can you imagine that? So what does that do? $600 billion in a country like Canada pumped out into the economy. Same thing in the United States per capita. So how much money did they spend? Yeah. Trillions, trillions of dollars wasted, okay? All of that money, and at the same time, interest rates at zero. So you could borrow as much as you wanted at zero. Plus, it was free money coming in. Everything inflated in price. Everything increased in price. Mm -hmm. And we were simultaneously being told interest rates are going to stay low for a really long time by the central banks. People felt rich. People felt rich. So now. All of that has to come out of the system in order for the system to even regain some form of health. And that that action is so dramatic, right? Like to go from the lowest interest rates ever for the longest period of time with the most amount of free money and pivot to the highest interest rates ever with no free money for an indefinite amount of time. That pivot Mm -hmm. is so significant 
I don't think we're 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 still we will not realize how significant it is until we have a few more problems like the Silicon Valley Bank problem. Right. Where more problems are coming for sure. What do you think the next problem is? It's, yeah, honestly, you don't know what the problem is until the problem comes, right? Like the right. But just think about there are more financial institutions in a similar situation to what happened to Silicon Valley Bank. Like that is not uncommon, right? Um, I have right. a question for you, Marcus. Yes, so, Matthew. Uh, so how much of this is like to blame on fault? the liberal government of Canada or how much of this is bl- like to blame on the typical uh, financial policies that all G7 nations have? Like, is this is this a, a Canadian liberal problem, which you'll often see on social media? Or is this just monetary policy playing out over 100 years on all of these nations? I think it is a... Co- okay, so... I think it's a combination of things. I think it's a combination of modern monetary policy. Read the policy of the G7 nations over the past 20 years, 30 years of uh, low interest rates. And not only just low interest rates, but it's this relationship between government and central bank and industry where like if something goes wrong don't worry we're going to come in there and save it right mortgage crisis real uh, tech bubble mortgage crisis real estate crisis like every single time something is supposed to explode or go wrong somebody comes in and saves it with words that we've never heard about before like quantitative easing right like that was a new new thing in 2008 whatever it is. But what you're doing every time you do that is you're kind of just postponing the inevitable, Mm. right? You're not letting the economy function the way it should function. So it's kind of getting, the can's getting kicked down the road. We're spending more and more money. We're mortgaging more and more of our future to get more and more money into the economy to make the economy look better and better right now. Why? Because we only care about how to get elected in four years, Mm. right? The election cycle's tight. Make sure we continue to get, get elected. Also, wealth is like a, a barometer for a country's stability, right? Take wealth out of a country and watch how quickly social stability unravels. And watch how quickly not only you don't get reelected, but maybe you have a civil war. Like right. Issues come up, right? The more, the more people are fearful and lack stability, the more problems you're going to have in a country. So this kind of all hands on deck, you know, pay all costs in order to avoid this has led us to a real serious problem. And we continue to elect the people who continue to lead us down this path because we don't want somebody to stand up and tell us that we need to take some medicine. Like, who are you going to vote for? Are you going to vote for somebody that stands up and says, like, listen, like, we got a real problem. The liberals just put a budget out to spend $500 million, which will increase our deficit by another, they say 40, but probably $100 billion. Okay? So, we're going to increase taxes. Sorry. Right? The liberals are going to do that anyways, but they don't really talk about it. You need somebody to come out and be like, listen, we got a real problem, okay? we got to cut the amount of money that we're spending down. 
because we continue to go more and more into debt, significant debt, and we continue to eat up more of our gross domestic productivity just to spend to service the debt, which is a death spiral for our country. How is that sustainable? Explain to me how that's sustainable. I don't understand how that's sustainable. So you need somebody to come up and say, we need to change course. We need to reduce our spending. We need to try to stimulate the economy. We had an opportunity. I don't know if you remember this. Maybe you can try to pull a clip from our podcast when the, when the pandemic started. But I made this suggestion and I talked to my wife about it and she thought I was crazy. That at the beginning of the pandemic, what we should do is we should try to build hospitals, like really focus on our healthcare system. And all of the wait, waiters and waitresses, we should offer them, not just them, but anybody who um, had a job in an industry that had been like shut down because of COVID, mm-hmm. offer them the opportunity to become nurses and like fast track the learning and give them their approvals so that we could end up with this like super robust healthcare system to deal with COVID. At the end of it, you would have actually ended up with, you know, a bunch of nurses, maybe some, maybe a hospital or two. And, you know, they would be, it'd probably take us a little while to build them and get things moving. But like you would have been left with something mm-hmm. that your economy could hold on to. Mm-hmm. You could keep Right, like right now in this most recent budget, there's a ton of spending on healthcare for the provinces from the federal government. Mm-hmm. Right, like we, you can spend my like we talk about where would you spend money in an economy, right? Like you want to spend money on things that will better your country in the future, mm-hmm. education, industries that are growing. I mean, okay, so like in this budget, they're spending a whole bunch of money on clean environment tech. But it's just aimless. It's just like, oh, well, the Americans are doing it. We're going to do it too. Right. Well, you, you talked about this earlier in the show where you were talking about money, spending money on a pipeline. The, the pipeline generates revenue. If you're spending money on infrastructure that doesn't generate revenue, you're going to go in the hole, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's not, yeah, not even infrastructure, right? If in, like the, you're just, in COVID, you're just handing people money. Exactly. And they're not building the infrastructure at all. Yeah, like the federal government increased in size by 30%. Employees. For the federal government. We needed 30% more employees in the federal government? Is that what we needed? I forgot. I didn't realize that we were so underemployed in the federal government. I Honestly, we need less government spending. And to think that like all of the spending that we're going to get in this budget is going to lead to less inflation? Inflation doesn't go down when a government starts spending more money, right? Government spends too much money. Inflation goes up. Things get, things inflate. And rates go up. And rate, then rates have to go up. So the federal government issued the budget. And then I bet you the central bank, the Bank of Canada was probably like, oh man. This is brutal. Why'd they do this? Yeah. Well, I guess we're going to have to maneuver. Uh, I, listen, I don't know. I uh, I just I think that the position that we're in, the G seven nations as a whole have overspent to keep their economies going, to keep their jobs, to keep to stay in power, 
to keep things moving in the same direction, right? Bureaucrats, just red tape, move this thing forward. Let's keep our jobs. Let's, you know. When's the next federal election? Soon, right? It's soon, right? Yeah. I yeah. feel like it should be Didn't soon. He, he, he called one through the middle of COVID so that he wouldn't have to do one for a few more years, I believe. Right? Yeah. Right. So, Marcus, let me ask you again, because you were talking about how we kick the economy down the road. If you look at a trend of like the economy since uh, uh, like the Great Depression, it kind of is like horizontal up until about maybe the late 70s. And then the trend goes up and up. There's dips with each recession, but the trend keeps on going up. If we let things break like in the 70s and 80s and 90s, if we let them instead of kicking the can down the road, would we have been in a better place? And would have that... We have like, let things break in the past. Not to the extent of a Great Depression again, though, right? Right. Well, the economic growth from the Depression till now has been more characterized by massive technological advances, right? We've had massive, massive changes, upheaval in our economy happen, our technologies that led to this growth. Those future changes come from spending on education and, you know, grants in, you know, fields like AI. Like there's another one coming. It's called AI, right? Um, more disruptive than ever though. And, um, <laughs> probably going to be a problem for Justin's job, but, <laughs> but you mean being on this podcast, <laughs> no, just like in general, AI is going to be very disruptive. In mortgages. For sure. And everything. Yeah. And everything. Um, but what I mean is like at the first sign of a significant drop, the central banks have been all too ready to stimulate away the problems. And like just we saw it on a, a smaller scale with this Silicon Valley Bank um, issue where like Silicon Valley Bank made some mistakes in how they were running their business. Their for-profit business, they made mistakes. They were trying to make money. They were trying to make as much as possible for their shareholders, and they made mistakes. And as a result, they lost a lot of money. And their company was worth nothing. But they got bailed out. That's not capitalism. Yeah, I feel like that shouldn't, I feel like that shouldn't happen. It's not capitalism. Yeah, if you screw up. Sorry, if you screw up, you should be left with the... Yeah. You know what I mean? So the more of that that we continue to see, right? Like, and it's it's really weird. Like we saw it in the great financial crisis of 2008, 2009, where Lehman Brothers didn't get saved. But Bank of America got saved, right? JP Morgan got saved. Everyone else got saved. Just let's let let's feed Lehman Brothers to the fire. Anyways, um, how... <laughs> The more we continue to go down this uh, path of like saving, saving the things that go wrong, saving the people that tried to make too much money and broke something, well, we got to save them because it'll be too hard on the economy. Then the more we're kicking the can down the road. That's what I mean by kicking the can down the road, right? Like if you just spend money to fix things, Eventually, your money isn't backstopped or as as worth as much, right? Like long term economics. 
problems, right? The more you just keep trying to spend your way out of a problem, the less money, the less your money is worth. Like Hitler. So let me ask you, what yeah. what would you let break in the economy so that we could probably get back on track? Or what would you have along the last 30 years? You know what I mean? Oh, that's a super easy question. Last 30 years only? No, no. Well, <laughs> you, you mentioned you mentioned the last 30 years. So I would what? just say, listen, I would just say that um, this, I like most recently, the biggest, the biggest problem that our economy is facing right now all stems from the spending that happened for COVID. So, and our reaction to COVID. Um, and I think hopefully we learned a lesson that if there is this virus that comes out, that it's going to go through the population. It's not just going to die. Yeah. It's not just going to like, we're not, it's, it's not just going to go away by staying inside. Right. People are social creatures. We walk around, we talk to people, it's going to spread. And I think shutting our whole economy down and giving everybody money to stay home and telling everybody it wasn't going to impact the economy has been, is, has been so toxic for our economy and we're so afraid to talk about it. Like we really don't talk, like you don't really hear very much in the media about like, oh my God, like this massive, horrible inflationary problem that we have right now is entirely caused by our reaction to COVID. It's kind of like your uncle that got drunk last night and punched a hole in the wall. <laughs> like when he gets up in the morning, you don't really say anything about it. Yeah. You just like leave it and hopefully everybody just forgets about it. Little Jimmy fixes the hole in the wall and everyone goes about their day. We covered a lot of things in this past 50 minutes. A lot of things that would make interest rates go up and interest rates go down. And uh, the result of this podcast, neutral on interest <laughs> <Yeah>. rates. <laughs> so the only things that came up neutral today was this podcast and Kid Rock shooting a couple two fours <laughs> of Bud Light. So, um, Awesome. Well, it was great to be sitting here with you and, uh, and we'll see you again soon. Bye. Thanks. Bye.